0: Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. I am your host, Micah Patria, and I am joined. It's another special day for me. I feel like I'm honored. uh, Two shows this week with two new members uh, to our podcast team. Uh, He's not new to DFS Coach Talk. He's been working behind the scenes on a lot of good stuff for us for quite some time, but I'm happy to do a show with him. Uh, Welcome, Brett Trimble. Uh, And Brett, tell everybody a little bit about yourself how you got started in DFS, how you got started in DFS Coach Talk, uh, and more importantly, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Mike. I'm doing great. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's kind of going to be a fun time. It's my first one for DFS Coach Talk. Um, I've been doing DFS for about a year and a half now, and what really piqued my interest was MLB, and I'm just a huge sports guy. and Love diving in statistics, so I always thought GFS was kind of my thing. And then uh, I just kind of dove in the NBA right after MLB. And uh, that's how I basically got started. Yeah, uh, I mean
0: that's how it usually starts usually statistics end up end up uh you know finding their way over to dfs in some way, yeah, exactly form so if you're a dude that's diving into the numbers this just generally seems like it's right up your alley uh, i'm guessing you do year-long leagues too a lot of people that get into this uh, oh, are yeah. usually doing some year-long leagues as well and some stats correlate other things don't but you usually if you're if you're doing okay in those you can uh, kind of navigate your way through the waters just over on this end too so oh yeah Uh, i
1: agree i'm in a couple leagues myself uh it's i just find it fun i mean just being able to dive into the statistics about players and being being able to get like a real in-depth analysis of how the game's going it just always amazes me and uh, i always find a ton of fun doing this kind of stuff so
0: Absolutely, man. Well, we're glad to have you on. Uh, you know, I know uh, this is going to be your first show, and it was actually supposed to be with Coach. Uh, I got the I got the the call, the you know the righty relief call last minute. Uh, <laughs> so I started warming up, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you, man. So uh, we're gonna jump right into this. It's and I'd even mention the date. That's because uh, at this point, with everything going on, I'm losing track of dates and times and you know days of the week. So, but it is March uh, 29th. It is a nice Sunday morning over here. So um, we got the coffee loaded up. Uh, we're gonna break it down. So we're gonna continue doing these team breakdowns. Uh, yesterday I was on with Coach. We broke down the Magic uh, and the Wizards. So uh, right, right on cue into the next day. I'm glad that I'm, I'm out of this. So so far I've been given the Magic and the Pistons. So I finally get a decent team with a, a with a little bit of a pulse to talk about in uh, in today's. But we're gonna be talking about the Nets and the Sixers. I'll be taking the bulk of the Nets. Uh, Brett will be taking a bulk of the Sixers so the way we're going to do it we're just going to jump right into it I'm going to get right started and talking about the Nets uh, you know kind of uh, what their what their season looked like what it was expected to look like uh, what it might look like a little bit next year and the implications it's going to have on the DFS landscape uh, when this season does start back up and I think most notably I mean in the offseason coming in for the Nets uh, the acquisitions of you know Kyrie and uh, you know Durant playing next to each other, the hopes of everything of that happening. Uh, you know Durant obviously not expected to play this season, and then Kyrie's whole season getting derailed by uh, shoulder injuries, knee injuries, and just kind of the story of his career. Uh, but they're still holding through it, seven seed right now, holding on to it, and 30 and 34 record, uh, right above the Magic, only a game above them. So. Uh, definitely some wiggle room. It doesn't look like the Wizards are going to catch either one of those teams five and a half games back. So it uh, looks like they're going to be another playoff team. But uh, they got rid of their head coach, Brett. And I want to know what your thoughts on this are, because I'm a big Atkinson guy. I was really, really you know, excited to see the way that he kind of turned this team around. It feels like it's almost a mutiny uh, behind the curtain with some of the players. But uh, what are your thoughts on this and, you know, uh, I guess Atkinson in general?
1: I mean, first of all, I love Atkinson as a coach. I think he does a great job of bringing teams together. But I do also believe that this was more of behind the curtain with Kyrie and Durant. Uh, Because the owner, I feel like the ownership and the front office is going to really want to cater to what Kyrie and Durant technically want because they are going to be the two sole leaders on the team. So I personally don't think it's necessarily against the coach. I think it's more against what Kyrie and Durant want. And, I mean, have you heard of any speculation on who's going to be the replacement? I mean, I know, like, the season got kind of messed up here. but Well, right now it's,
0: uh, it's a guy named Jock Vaughn. He's the interim head coach. And, I mean, he's, he's t- he took over. He's only coached the team for two games uh, before this all happened. He's 2-0. Uh, to start. So he's off to a good start. But he, he was uh he was an assistant that, that's been with the Nets, I think, for about uh, a few seasons since like 2016. Uh, he's actually a former first round pick as well. Uh, I believe he was drafted in 1997 uh, 27th overall by the jazz. So um, he's been around the league for a little while. He, you know, being one of Atkinson's guys, he was there. So, you know, he's got to have some, maybe some sort of shades of him. maybe some took some things that Atkinson taught him and is putting it to good use. Uh, but you know, the, the, the immediate thing that happened once uh, Atkinson was fired uh, is that they inserted Deandre Jordan into the starting lineup over uh, Jared Allen, which just kind of seems to boggle some, some brains a little bit. I mean, Allen uh, definitely the more versatile defender at this stage in their careers, a younger, a little bit more potential, uh, but they're paying DeAndre Jordan and he's kind of Kyrie Irving and Durant's friend. So that's what it seems like. And it, it, that's why I feel like the, you know, it's behind the curtain writing on the walls kind of thing that they had something to do with this. Um, but needless to say, the team still uh, played at a pretty fast pace. They're playing at 10th pace uh, in the NBA this season, uh, decent defensive rating at eighth overall. But, uh, but their offense is kind of uh, middle to the pack at the end of only 27 or 22nd uh, overall in, in offensive efficiency ranking. So, um, you know, definitely some room for improvements. I mean, they, they kind of had the the fort held down by Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert this season. Levert really stepping up after he returned uh, from that little minor injury he had in the beginning of the year uh, and, and really has been able to turn it on and just grasp a hold of some of this usage. I mean, uh, with Kyrie Irving off the floor Levert's been performing at a usage of like a 30.9, which is just up there with some of the you know higher ones in the league. And Dinwiddie's not far uh, is is right next to him. Actually, I was gonna say not far behind, but he's at 31, so point one more, and they're both getting it done as far as DK points per minutes, and that's what we're looking at. Uh, Dinwiddie's actually on the season outperforming. Um, Levert at one point two one DK points per minute when Levert's getting one point one seven. But the, the tail has been changed uh, a little bit over the past month, month and a half. Levert really started to turn it on. So those those stats can be a little deceiving uh, if you're taking into account just recent play. But um, when I'm looking at this team and I, I have three options in mind, when I'm looking at their DFS uh, implications when we're coming back. It's going to be DeAndre, Jordan, Levert and Dinwiddie. Um, I don't know about you. Are you more of a cash or a GPP kind of guy?
1: Uh, I I do a mix of both. I mean, for much bigger slates, I'm tend to a cash guy because you know there's more room to move around, and for tight slates, it's GPP for me. Cause okay. It's just a bracket and a preference for me, but I mean, it it all again, it all varies on everyone else's preferences. That's just my preference. I mean, I do play both most mm-hmm. nights, so I mean, it's just how you roll. But quick thing I want to say about Levert. Uh, I really feel like no one saw that he was gonna be able to take over scoring those couple of games where he remember when he popped off for at least like 30 points and 40 points and then he had like the huge DFS impact that night where he just was breaking slates with whoever had him I I thought that was kind of neat to see that because you the whole story around the Nets was oh it's going to be Kyrie's team it's going to be Durant's team and I feel like I personally I really don't like seeing players get pushed aside but Chris LeVert I mean he just came out on top and I thought that was pretty neat to see yeah (laughs) I mean No, no, definitely. Uh,
0: I, that's something I think a lot of people were hoping for. I mean, before he uh, he suffered that gruesome ankle injury where uh, most people thought he was going to be done for the entire year and he was able to kind of come back at the end of the season uh, and still show a little something. He was balling. Uh, he oh, was yeah. balling out before that. I, I mean, everybody was looking at it like, uh, you know, this that he was going to be a major part of this team going forward. You kind of saw the glimpses of his scoring ability that he showed when he was in college and uh, really, really turned it on. I mean, potentially could have uh, had an impact for like rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. Uh, But I mean, this, this is a guy that I I have some big aspirations for going forward. Um, I don't know what his role is going to be necessarily next season. Once we see a healthy Kyrie and a healthy uh, Kevin Durant, Um, I'm sure he'll probably still start. Uh, Dinwiddie will probably likely come off the bench. He'll probably play the two, but they still got other bodies. They still got Joe Harris and some other guys that we're going to have to take it to account for. Joe Harris is expected to be a free agent after the season. If the Nets decide to bring him back, I'd I'd probably be a little bit shocked just for the same, uh, the same reasoning I just kind of said, but um, I don't I don't want to jump too hard too far into this. <clears throat> I think like I said, the three guys that I'm going to be having interest in is going to be Levert, it's going to be Dinwiddie and Jordan. The reason why I asked you what kind of player you were is because those are the guys I think are viable for both cash and GPP. When I look at the yep. other guys like Torian Prince, he's uh you know up and down guy. I don't like to pay for unless it's like a boomer bust spot and I'm really taking a chance and building like 20 or 30 lineups. And Joe Harris is more of just like that middling cash option where uh, you know he gets you about 20 25 on any given night, but you know, it's never going to be enough for me to write home for in a GPP. Uh, So, you know, those are the main guys I really wanted to talk about. Allen's been basically pushed and cast to the side ever since DeAndre Jordan kind of took over. And I mean, just the numbers for Jordan have been popping off the page a little bit since he got this starting rollback. I mean, uh, over the last two games, I know it's only been two games. He's averaging nine and a half points, 13 and a half boards, one and a half blocks in 28 minutes. And uh, you know, Allen basically being relegated to 20 minutes a game in those two games. So it's a direct split. These are guys are the only two guys that are playing center. They haven't played like a minute alongside of each other uh, really all season. So I really, you know, wouldn't bank on that uh, changing in anytime soon with their value. So. For I guess for season long, when it comes back, I mean, other than being like a block specialist, that's all you can really look at Jared Allen for, and I probably won't be looking at him at all in in DFS, and it's just, it's kind of that simple, the numbers, when Jordan's in the starting lineup, he averages uh, an extra two and a half rebounds per game, and goes from .9 to 1.7 blocks, so he's a lot more aggressive in that starting unit, as he is, uh, opposed to playing in the backup unit, so, it's a big difference for me and DeAndre Jordan's value. He's the guy that's taken the most. And when we come back, I think a lot of people are going to immediately jump back to Karis LeVert. And I rightfully, I agree with him. Uh, And I still think that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a fantastic option because he's just been getting it done all season with, with uh, Kyrie out. So uh, that's kind of what I got going on over here. As far as the Nets, I mean, there's a few other little interesting things that I've noticed when I was kind of breaking them down. Uh, You know, they're they're fifth in the NBA in uh, three-point attempts and second overall in total rebounds. Um, I think that's just due to, you know, DeAndre Jordan and uh, Jared Allen both being those prototypical plant-your-roots-in-the-paint type guys. They don't really ever try to leave it if they don't have to. (laughs) No, Um, not at all. (laughs) There's no real reason to. But the one thing I thought was kind of interesting um, was that they were eighth in defensive rating, which says something that's pretty good. But it doesn't seem like they play good overall team defense to me because opponents are ranking third in assists when they play the Nets. And then they're also ranking fifth in field goal percentage. So to me, that means that their plays are breaking down uh, you know, 10, 15 seconds into the shot clock. And then yeah. the, just by good passing, whether it's a third pass or an actual point guard pass, they're finding an open man. And it's not generally on the perimeter. Uh, it's usually the mid-range shot in the paint so um uh, and if you look at their team overall um uh, usually their their main defense is coming from the paint uh you know Spencer Dinwiddie's not known for it Levert is athletic but not particularly known for fantastic defense or anything like that Joe Harris uh I guess we could say isn't very good at defense and Torian Prince is generally the other guy in the starting lineup. And he's not so great himself. I think one of their best wing defenders might be Garrett temple. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, the numbers, sometimes if you, if you break them down, you can kind of see a different story. Um, that might not be the case. I'd have to go back and watch a lot of Sixer game game ta- or I'm sorry, Nets game tape to be a hundred percent sure, but that's kind of my interpretation of it and the way I'm kind of going about it. But, um, I mean, anything else you kind of noticed, I don't know if you, you you've, I mean, I
1: think I agree with everything you said, mainly I I, as a team fundamentally, I really don't think they're that great on defense, but they're able to stay in games with being able to, you know, be efficient on offense. And they did have that one game where they were just not there completely. But I do agree with most of what you said, how they're pretty much, although they're athletic, but they're pretty much not a solid defensive team and DFS wise. DeAndre Jordan, Chris LeVert, Jim Woody are definitely the way to go when the season comes back. Jared Allen, I was kind of iffy about him all season because he, he he isn't having the season he had last year where everyone was like, oh, is this another Jared Allen game where he's going to go off? But this year he's been kind of mellow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. So. I'm a big Jared Allen guy, actually. I
0: want this guy to – if he had the minutes in the role, like if they didn't bring DeAndre Jordan in and he was playing 32 minutes a night – uh, he'd be a stud he, he'd be getting you two blocks oh, a game for sure probably.
1: for sure uh, oh yeah it,
0: he's 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 a guy that's going to benefit and another team's going to benefit because they're going to look he's probably their best young asset if they're looking to trade right now uh, and get some veteran or build something around the you know Kyrie and Kevin Durant and I guess DeAndre Jordan next season so he's definitely going to be on the move I think in the offseason because this team doesn't have a lot of salary cap to play with I mean Alec Burks and Kylo I'm sorry I'm looking at the I'm looking at the uh, <laughs> the 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 Sixers right now, but uh, yeah. it's, it's the same story actually for both teams. We'll get to that in a minute. But the only guys that are really coming off the books next season are Joe Harris at seven million. Like I said, I don't think they'd resign him, and Wilson Chandler at two and a half million. So they're not getting a lot of money off the books. They're invested a whole lot in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and Didwidi are kind of getting paid a little bit themselves. Uh, and then you're looking at uh, Karis LeVert making sixteen million next season uh, from from the uh, from their renegotiation and extension. So there's not a lot of money to mess with. They're really going to have to make this work from the $7 million that they're going to lose from uh, Joe Harris when they decide not to, and then the little bit of money that might come off the books with Jared Allen. It's th- it's a three $4 million deal, but not a lot to play with. So they're going to have to use that for a cheap veteran contract. They'll probably get a cheap veteran um, just in free agency, and then that one move is really all they have to start building. Um, decent foundation, though. Decent foundation. I oh, wish they had a little sure. bit of a better bench. And once Dinwiddie's coming off the bench again, I think they'll be in— Uh, a little better shape but um, is there anybody that you can imagine like I I guess uh, as far as like a veteran free agent that you think would make sense uh, to bring in for their team
1: Mm, personally I really don't feel like they need a veteran to come in because they already do have Kyrie and Durant who are pretty much veterans themselves that could mentor Um, it wouldn't honestly it wouldn't surprise me if they brought someone in I mean you you could look at the Sixers as an example, of bringing Al Horford in. I mean, I wasn't necessarily expecting it, but I mean, I do I can see it happening, and I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a veteran, or let's say Jared Allen, or um, or even if they trade Prince away because he's supposed to hit. He's going to be fourteen million on the books next year, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to move him as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised honestly. So
0: yeah no I mean that's another good point that you bring up the is is Prince's um Prince's contract because yeah he's not, he's somebody I don't really see kind of fitting this mold for the future with them um, no. it is it kind of is what it is I mean he was able to get a little a little extra money uh going into this year but I I don't see him fitting the mold. I mean, he they're playing him at the 4 right now just because he's trying to fit that small ball mold. When they get Durant back, they can easily slot Durant in at the 3 or the 4, uh seemingly. So, I could see them kind of bringing in maybe like another power forward, a guy that can be easily kind of play a little bit of that tweener, six eight six nine guy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a name I always throw around that kind of fits that mold all around the league that everybody can use is like a Trevor Ariza. Just a great knockdown 3-point yeah. shooter who's a great defender, can play the 3, can play the 4. Um, they're they're, you know, easier said than done when it comes to to come across guys like that, but he's that prototypical mold. And I know any team can use any one of those guys. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I can I, I easily see them benefiting from somebody like that. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't always make sense to bring in a veteran. when you talk about guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they respect those types of guys. They want guys that they know can fundamentally play sound basketball, can kind of fit any system and just know their role. So I don't think they're going to, you know, be able to land another massive free agent. It would be it would be very tough for them to do that. Uh, but exactly. definitely bring somebody like that in there. Uh, it should still be a bright future. I want to give uh, I think they'll give Vaughn a chance going forward uh, with this head coaching job. I don't know if they're going to just bring somebody else in unless Kyrie has something in mind. I know they talked about Tyron Lue and uh, a few other guys, but I think they should give Vaughn a shot. He's still he's still got that Atkinson. And I know me and Santino were talking uh, the other day on the show. And we think he'd be a great fit over there in Chicago. But uh, let's get jumping into the Sixers over here, because I know you're probably chomping at the bits. You have a lot to talk about. So
1: why don't you break down the Sixers
0: a little bit for us, um, kind of their aspect, I guess, you know, what their expectations and your expectations of them coming into the season, how it's kind of panned out so far and, uh, what we can notice.
1: So for the Sixers right now, I just want to break down that they are 39, 26 on the year right now. They are currently, I believe third in the standings. If I'm right third, no, my bad. They're third in the Atlantic. They're sixth in the Eastern conference. Um, their efficiency wise, they are ranked they're they are ranked um six on defense and then they're or no. I'm sorry, I'm completely butchering this.
0: Uh no nah, worries, man. Don't no, worry. Okay, so
1: offensive offensive efficiency, they are ranked seventeenth. Defense they are ranked six. Um my expectations on the year Okay, So my expectations from the offseason was they did have a fundamentally sound team. I really did like the fact that they kept Tobias Harris instead of Jimmy Butler. Um, that's just my personal preference. But I did I did notice that they did lack depth, and I knew that was going to kill us. Um, I do have to say most of the losses this year have probably come from lack of depth and the rotations not being done properly. And uh, I know a bunch of other people had expectations that they were going to come either first and second in the East, but I personally never – I didn't want to get my hopes up for that because you know, that's how you get disappointed in a team real fast and that's how you get frustrated. But there are do a couple people that I really want to talk about on the team. I really want to talk about Ben Simmons and his role with the team and how he fits with Joel Embiid. And, um, also I want to talk about the acquisitions of Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson and how that has impacted the team so far, which mm-hmm. it added great depth to the roster. Don't get me wrong. Um, But there is one thing that really bothers me is Brett Brown and his rotations. And I feel like that kind of kills some of the games that we are in. But back to the DFS perspective, um, what are your thoughts on how Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have meshed together when they've been on the court
0: well, when they're on the court, uh, you know, I think they're both very valuable contributors as far as from the DFS perspective. I mean, Embiid's been able to kind of take the reins and still command most of the usage. He leads the team, I think, with about 30, 32.6 percent usage rate and is averaging a little over 1.5 DK points per minute. So there's a reason why he's always priced above 10K and he's a very popular play. Uh, he generally would play a little less minutes than Ben Simmons. So you'd kind of see almost their points uh, get a little bit closer because of that. But Ben Simmons held it down himself. He's, you know, commands some decent usage. Usage about 20.9% at 1.18, a little bit down from last year. But the, that's to be expected with the acquisitions of, I think, Richardson and Horford coming into the offense. A lot of the offense uh, kind of gets slowed down. You can even get passed through Horford at one point at the top of the key. So there's, you know, they're both very viable contributors. I think, you know, you can kind of pinpoint them in certain matchups. Uh but I, you know, what I notice is, you know, with all the mouths to feed over there, I, I, I generally don't gravitate towards these guys when they're all healthy. I like to kind of pinpoint them when, I, when one guy's out. And we've seen countless times this season where Ben Simmons would miss extended periods, and then uh, Joel Embiid would miss extended periods. Uh, you know, the, the one, the one caveat, the one guy that's been healthy, and he's been one of the healthiest guys in the league this season, is Tobias Harris. I mean, he actually, oh yeah, uh, I believe he leads the league in minutes uh, played this season. Um, so you know, they, they have some concrete guys. I think that's part of the reason. And I I know you were talking about it and you didn't like the acquisition of Al Horford. So I was going to ask you about that because I thought that was actually a great move by them in the off season. And it's almost uh, like an Embiid uh, safety blanket. We kind of saw it a ton this season. Anytime that Embiid had to miss, it wasn't throwing in Kyle O'Quinn in the starting lineup necessarily, but it was sliding it uh, Horford over. They still have a very capable defensive center uh, that held it down. And uh, he was actually, you know, a nice fan favorite of everybody for DFS for all that time that he was out, because I think with Embiid off the floor, uh, he was absolutely crushing Crazy
1: usage, yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, I'm sorry. Pre- it's just, again, it's all like preference for me. So, um, like, the acquisition of Al Horford, it has its ups and downs. Um, I'm going to start with the downs real quick. The downs is that the contract that he has, is it's kind of, kind of huge for the player at his age. Uh, I mean, that's a terrible contract. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the one reason I I really don't like it. I mean, we shouldn't be paying him twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty seven, twenty seven, you know, for the next four years. But another reason that I really did, personally didn't like the Al Horford trade was the fact that the way that the Sixers offense runs, we we don't necessarily have pure shooters. I mean, I guess you can consider Josh Richardson a shooter, but I or Tobias Harris, a shooter. But when you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, both running into the paint, uh, and then you add Al Horford on top, it kind of just the dynamic on the court. It's, I mean, it's just cluttering. And I I personally didn't like it because it didn't really let any of the players take over because you just see them struggling all to try and get in the paint when the other teams are just going to play their whole defense around the paint. But there is some good out of the trade. When I've noticed, um, Throughout the season was when Al Horford was coming off the bench, which was very limited times. So the Sixers actually played really well. It was it was almost like that the rotations were perfect and that um, everything was flowing smoothly. Like the second unit was able to have a solid center to go around, and they weren't throwing like Kyler or Quinn in or they weren't you know moving someone who was a power forward to center and and it just felt like the team meshed more, honestly. And I I wish they would do it more. And they, before the break, I believe they made it official that he was going to stay off the bench for the rest of the year, if I'm right. And I think that's a really great move. If they're going to make this playoff push while everyone's healthy, I, I think Al Horford coming off the bench could be key in multiple series. so
0: Yeah. And I I think uh, you're absolutely right. They do look like a much better team when he's coming off the bench. It just allows them to kind of stagger and bead a little sooner in the first quarter. They could take him out after like six or eight minutes and, you know, feel comfortable without Horford still playing with some of the starters to end the first quarter. Um, it's just like you said, it's, he's a great defender. Yes, the contract's absolutely terrible. But I think when they uh, decided to bring him in, uh, it's because the Sixers saw a win now opportunity, um, you know, with all these other teams kind of separating and being hurt. And this was just everybody's win now moment where uh, they kind of their scheme and their their identity has always been based on defense. So bringing in another guy that they know can spell and be still play great defense. Another guy that they know is a veteran who seems to be willing to sacrifice. I know there's been rumblings in the media this uh, this season, that uh, Al Horford's kind of been uh, disinterested in the clubhouse and uh, doesn't like a lot of the rumblings going on with Embiid and Ben Simmons going back and forth. And is, uh, you know, he's a 33-year-old guy who's played on multiple teams. He's a multiple-time All-Star, so he, they felt that he can know his role and he'd be comfortable with not having to have a front uh, front seat in the car driving offense right now. Exactly, but you're yeah. but you're but you're right I mean they could probably use a little bit more shooting Tobias Harris is is he's been a knockdown shooter pretty much for the past three seasons he's an, he's a really good three-point shooter but Ben Simmons has been a crutch and it, it's no secret everybody knows the guy can't shoot so they just give him as much space as he possibly wants and say go ahead try it uh, JJ reddick when they had him kind of uh helped blanket that because he's his always been a career knockdown three-point shooter but you know I, I would like to see them kind of get another good shooter in there I think they were looking for it with Burks and Robinson saying hey hopefully one of these guys works out uh yeah, yeah they have I think they have an option on Robinson's contract Burks is expected to be a free agent and he'll probably sign somewhere else and get a little bit more money than he'd get in Philly uh, but you know as far as DFS who were the guys that you kind of gravitated towards the most I know you led off with Ben Simmons and Embiid did you find yourself playing one of those guys more than the other
1: uh, there's yeah my two my two main players are Embiid and Simmons, and then there are a couple players in the shadow, if you will, like that. If this scenario happens, I tend to gravitate towards them more. So Tobias Harris is one of those players that, for instance, let's say Ben Simmons or Embiid's out, he gets his usage gets a huge bump, and he's he's mainly helping running the first unit. Another guy that I tend to really like um, was Al Horford. Uh, he does when if his price is right and he's really running the second unit well and let's say they're not playing like the strongest center I really like him as well uh, I and I tend to gravitate more towards Ben Simmons and Uh Ben Simmons is great for the steal upside the block upside he he does get a lot of points through defense uh, so even if like his offensive game's not really strong you could always rely him rely on him getting a steal or two per game which is it adds up if you think about it. Um, if what, either one or out, uh, Embiid is also another solid player. Uh, he always just dominates the paint, and he always he he has a three. I mean, he could shoot the three sometimes. And uh, I feel like if he if he's has an off game, you could always count on him bouncing back. I do have to say this real quick though. I am kind of disappointed in the production of Alec Burks uh ever since he was acquired and it might be just due to the rotation and you know him not being playing as much but uh I remember when he was on the Warriors he was pretty solid I mean he was he was averaging I think around what, 17 on the team and then when he gets to the Sixers he's not averaging that much but I do do have to take into account the fact that his minutes did get cut by a third so instead of playing 30 minutes he's only playing uh 20 But if he was, for instance, in the starting lineup instead of, for say, Matisse-Steibel or Shake Millen, I do see him possibly being a sleeper pick, uh, someone where he's going to get overlooked a lot, but he can have one of those sneaky games where he just absolutely turns up, and it's a great GPP winner because he will be low-owned. But uh, yeah, I do have to say Simmons and a beater. My 1-2 for the Sixers this year... Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think I think a lot of
0: um, you know Burks. Yeah, you're right. When he was over there in Golden State, he was like lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, it, and I think it was just a different landscape at that point. Uh, you know, Golden State was basically desperate for shooters. They needed people to to kind of score. That's kind exactly. of what. You know, yeah. Damian Lee kind of stepped up and a, a few other guys kind of just came on at the scene because they just they needed people to shoot in um, the Sixers. It's just a different story. It's just there's there's no usage to really go around. I mean, we kind of saw him get a draw a few starts when Josh Richardson was off of the floor. Um, and then I think at that same point, there was one or two other guys in the starting lineup. I think Ben Simmons might even have been hurt uh, at, at that same scenario. But even then it's there's no usage to go around. He's not getting the opportunity. We we kind of said it at the top. I think you know, Ben Simmons with his twenty one percent usage rate, uh Embiid's getting thirty two. Uh, I think Harris is getting about a 24 usage when he's in that starting lineup. Uh, Jay Rich is getting 21 when he's healthy. So there's just not enough minutes, not enough shots. There's not enough of really anything to go around for anybody other than these guys. And that's kind of why I said um, when I first start you know, looking at the slate and I'm looking at it, I kind of need some injuries to be going on on the Sixers for me to have exactly, a ton of yeah. in PFS. That's that's kind of where we see that window where guys, you know, a little too cheap for the extra usage that he's getting. But when they're all healthy, it's kind of a crapshoot. You really don't know who's going to do what on any given night. Um, You kind of just got to pick it based on the individual matchups. But I, I heard you talking about Ben Simmons with the steals. Um, he leads the league and steals this season. I mean, that's got to be the, the one benefit to, that you're willing to accept that comes with his poor shooting is that this guy knows defensive lanes. He's a very good defender. He's a very good chase down defender, too. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of times you'll see him do those LeBron James chase down blocks and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, continuity and team defense is one thing that they're going to continue, I think, to build on. I don't know how long. Do you think that they I've heard rumblings about them entertaining Ben Simmons trees? Do you think that's something? I mean, you're a Philly guy. So I, I I'll, and I'll preface this to all the listeners, because I, I think you said a few times <laughs> us and our." Uh, you're you're a Philly guy. You know, you're right there in the fold. So you, this is your team. This is the team that you're used to watching every single night. Do you think that they ever kind of break away from this Ben Simmons and split these two up uh, and look to see what they can get for him? I mean, it's a fat contract. It's going to have to be a nice star studded veteran in return.
1: Honestly, it really, you know, Philadelphia—it's a drama city. So I'm really not surprised that there's going to be trade rumors. There's trade rumors with Embiid, with Simmons, with Harris. Um, the fact that they might entertain them, um, I couldn't really see it happening personally. I really do think that Ben Simmons is there for a the long run. I mean, you can always see him with Embiid saying they're going to win a championship together. But at the same time, the Sixers organization really do need to look at whether Ben Simmons will ever develop a three-point. Because I think that's, I mean, people always say, ah, oh, he doesn't really need a three-point, but when the team's ranked 22nd in three-point attempts in the league, and, then, and you, you can agree with me that this league is, to dominate, you need to be able to shoot the three-ball. I mean, there are a few exceptions, maybe with, like, the Bucks, but to dominate in the NBA, you really need to have a three-point shot. And I personally do think that if Simmons... If Simmons does not develop a three point shot within like the next couple of years, I, I honestly do think that the Sixers might start looking at, you know, what people are offering. But again, I really think he's here for the long run. Um, he's just his defense is insane. I mean, he really is able to pull the squad together on defense. Uh his court vision's great. I mean, he's averaging eight point two assists a game. Um uh, and, and don't forget, I mean, he's six six eleven. I mean, he can get rebounds, uh, drives to paint, no problem. I mean, he gets blocks too. I mean, he's just a solid all-around player. So I really can't see a trade happening, but I do see the rumors happening because it's just the way Philadelphia rolls. I mean, someone could say something and then all of a sudden it becomes a rumor, but I think he's going to stay. Um, he, Him and Embiid already have a really good chemistry, which it's funny because you could also see like major sports networks say how they're beefing. And I really don't understand why they keep saying that, but I really do think that if there were to be any trades, it would be around Ben Simmons and Embiid. So, uh, for instance, let's say they trade Al Horford in the off season for, uh, a sharpshooter. And that just only helps the team from there, but also you really don't want to lose Al Horford. So, uh, I really don't see him being traded. Um, that's just me. But.
0: I, think, I, I think if he gets traded, it's because he's going to be asking for one. It's a hard contract to move. Um, and, it, it, you know, if he ends up asking for a trade and it comes out to the media that he's looking to be traded, uh, all the leverage kind of comes out of the situation for the Sixers on top of the fact that he's got such a handicapped uh, contract that any team's going to have to take. It would have to almost be like a, a rebuilding team. Um, I don't know. Is, does he have anything worked into his contract where uh, there's like a no trade clause or anything like that? Or does he have to uh, approve believe, of the team?
1: I believe there is a, a no trade clause in his contract uh, where they can't trade him. Um, but again, I don't think the contract goes into effect next year. So, I mean, he's not getting traded this off season anyway, but I do agree with you. I mean, that, that contract is handicapped for most teams um, with the, The back end increase. I mean, he goes from 29 million to 38 and a half million by the time his contract's over. Which uh, you're gonna need a team like like rebuilding, like you said, that is gonna be able to take on the contract. And another thing I want to point out with the Sixers is they have a lot of they have a lot of money invested into their starting five. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, let's say, like Al Horford gets moved to be able to create more depth because I mean, the depth is not that good. I mean, it's okay, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a trade this off season that it would be Al Horford for maybe two or three mid tier players, which then again hurts in DFS DFS because, uh, again, you're going to need injuries for to choose anybody on the Sixers. So,
0: well, I mean, they have, um, They have a few other pieces that they got pretty lucky with, I guess you could say. I mean, Matisse Theibel is a great draft pick. He looks like he's going to be very promising for their future. Excellent defender. Uh, Looks like he'll probably be part of that all-NBA team defense, uh, you know, at some point throughout his career. And then another guy I really wanted to talk about, especially because of, you know, DFS implications, he kind of came onto the scene is Shake Milton. So what are your thoughts on Shake Milton? Um, are, is he going to be a guy that we can rely on when the season does start uh, start back up? Or are we going to need a couple of these injuries before we can really feel secure about him again?
1: So with Shake Milton, I, I love him as a player. Don't get me wrong. I, I feel like he brought great intensity when he was playing with all the injuries. When things come back, okay, things we have to keep in mind, Ben Simmons and his back injury. Will Ben Simmons be fully healthy when the season comes back? Um... We know he was out with uh, something with a nerve in his back. Uh, will he be healthy when he comes back, or will we take it slow on his recovery? Um, that is one of the key factors with that team. Um, another key factor is is what the rotation is going to look like if Ben Simmons is out. Shake Millen, if he gets the starting job, And he's getting the usage of around 20%. I think he can be a very solid DFS pick. Um, But also you have to take into account his price range. Um, He was a steal when he was at like minimum salary. I mean, he was like 4K and he was dropping like 30 points, uh, FanDuel points, DraftKings points. But... I'm going to, for me, I'm going to wait to see a couple games back to see how the rotation goes. I mean, he's probably going to be put on the second unit without Horford if, for say, Ben Simmons and the rest of the starting lineup is healthy. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have great upside. I mean, I feel like he could still spark off the bench and be able to put up some solid points. Um, that's just, again, they, I mean, there's so many factors with the Sixers team when you choose a player. I mean, it, it's kind of tough it's like a really tough team to choose in in dfs so yeah
0: i mean it's it's a tail of the tape i think you said it because of injuries i think you know you kind of hit the nail on the head if if simmons is healthy or if he's not i mean if we come back into the season and simmons is healthy and back in that starting lineup it's gonna be really hard to invest in shake millen his price tag i think for the first few days will probably still be a little elevated because of his play going into this break um but if, if simmons is off the floor uh, the guys, the guy got made a name for himself. I mean, his blow up game against the Clippers, uh, with him, with Simmons off the floor, he's got, I think you said about 20, yeah, it's about 21.3 per uh, usage rate. And he's averaging that right on the nose, one DK point per minute. So if he's a guy that's still hovering around that mid five range, I think, you know, maybe even that low six range, I, I think he's still viable. If he's getting a DK point per minute with Simmons off the floor and he's playing, you know, starting like he was 30 to 33, 34 minutes, you're looking at a decent floor. Uh, with some upside to return in there. But, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, big game factor, you know, there's times where Simmons and Embiid were off the floor. His usage does take a little bit more of a hit when Embiid does come on the floor, but uh, still a viable option, I think, if Ben Simmons is out. And
1: I I do have to agree that he did make a name for himself. Um, One of the things I do notice with the team is I feel like certain players don't get minutes, I I don't know for what reason, um, but Shake Milton was one of those guys where he was not getting solid minutes until there was a bunch of injuries, and it and, and ended up working in his favor. And uh, we did see that a couple times with Furkin. Well, Furkan wasn't getting a bunch of minutes, but he did have those games with the, with the injuries that he was able to put up 30, 40 FanDuel, DraftKings points, which is great. And that's just a trend I noticed with the team is, although they don't perform like that every game, I do feel like with injuries – a lot of mid to low tier players are up for grabs. I mean, they, they can they can spark at any moment. Um so I'm kind of curious to see how the season goes forward, but with the uh, the injuries and how the recoveries are going, but when it comes to playoff time, the it's the main focus is going to be on the two stars, the three stars, uh Tobias Simmons and Embiid. Uh, they're going to be the, the key players that are going to push the team through the playoffs. So
0: yeah, I think B's going to be that crucial part. I was really shocked to see um, to not see the Celtics go harder at Drummond because I thought that would have been a real key part of their their defensive ability in, in, in playoffs because you've got to imagine that the Celtics uh, and the Sixers have a good chance to meet up against each other, and that was kind of one of the, the crutches that hurt them last season is just not being able to do anything in the paint. You know, Daniel Tice is solid. He's a solid defender, but— you really need a big body to kind of throw on Embiid, otherwise you're in trouble. I mean, they they had no problem taking Ben Simmons out of the game. It was it was Embiid uh, and the bigs that kind of gave him some trouble. Yeah,
1: but, and um, I think they moved towards a, more of a small ball with like the Rockets this year, if I'm correct.
0: Well, they still they they still start uh, they play Tatum at the four and then Hayward at the three or vice versa. So yeah, they do still probably play small a little bit at the four, but they prototypically they either have Robert Williams. Uh, Daniel Tice or Canada on the floor at just about all times. Uh, occasionally, you'll see him go with Grant Williams a little bit in the small ball, but there's got to be some decent injuries in their front court for them to be committed to that. So I think they're still committing to playing somebody over 6'10", 6'11", at the center position. It's just not going to work for them on offense or defense when they go against a team like the Sixers. Um, you know, the Bucks on the other hand, you know, that they kind of secured Brooke Lopez in there and even brought in his brother Robin. Uh, as their defensive approach. And you've even seen the uh, the Raptors keep Marcus Saul this season, you know, barring injury and all these trade rumors and everything, I think for a very similar reason. Uh, A lot of these teams that are in the Eastern Conference are kind of prepping for each other, just as we've seen in the past, like what the Rockets are doing, which is pretty much build a team that can actually beat the Warriors. Uh, This was their one window this season where they can say, hey, we can beat the Warriors regardless because they're not even competitive. Let's worry about these other teams uh, that actually have a chance to beat us in the
1: finals. Yeah, and uh, I I think majority I think the reason El- when Elton Brand built this team was to be able to take down the East, um especially with the Bucks. I mean the Sixers are the tallest lineup in the league when all the starters are healthy. They are, um, it's uh, this team was mainly built to beat the Bucks. So uh, as aggravating as it is that they are losing some games, it's just and from a DFS standpoint, it's it's just evenly spread out. And the fact that this team was mainly kind of built for one team, it's it's just the way it goes when you you see them losing the other team or you see a certain player not performing well, it's just, it that's is how what I it is. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. It, it uh, is what
0: it is. But, uh, all right, man. I, I mean, do you have anything else to add as far as the Sixers and things that, uh, you'd like to bring into the, bring into the play as far as what they're doing this season and, uh, for DFS?
1: Um, no, I think we covered all topics. I, I do. I do wish that in DFS there is a solid player you, you could pick every night, but maybe it's just me rooting on my hometown. So
0: <laughs> we all got a little home uh, homer in us. You'll hear me and Coach talk about the Mavs uh, to death. Sometimes. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it is what it, it, it is. What it is. I guess that's the theme of uh, of the show right now. But all right, man. Uh, I know you'll be back on tomorrow. I'm getting. A, I'm getting a little night off. Um, you know. So. <laughs> Good for me, but you'll be on with coach tomorrow. You'll be talking some Pacers some Heat action Uh, really going to be looking forward to that Two prominent teams in the Eastern Conference, both playoff teams and both rock solid through and through when you look at just their their starting lineups and their benches and their rotations and even their coaching. So going to be really excited about hearing you guys talk about that. Uh, But, you know, as always, we're going to tell you guys before we take off, if you guys have a minute, please give us a rate review, a follow. Uh, You can find me at Micah Patria. M I K E A P O T R I A. And uh, you can find Brett. Uh, I, you want to say, I think you're at. Uh, mine D, is. DEFY underscore DFS?
1: Yeah, DEFY, D E A F Y underscore DFS. Yes. And that's my Twitter. My fault. No worries. No worries.
0: So say it one more
1: time loud and clear so everybody knows where they can find you. underscore DFS. I'm followed by Mike, so you could find me through there. I'm sure he'll like one of my tweets eventually. So
0: <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm all over the place on uh, on Twitter, man. I apologize, but I will I will do that. Uh, and we'll we'll make sure we could kind of get some people over to you too, because I know you got some good information you'd like to, to dole out off the noggin here and there. Uh, <laughs> but if if you guys also could. I know we're asking a lot. um, If you can give us a nice thumbs up and rate and review, Uh, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio. We're just about every single place that you can listen to a podcast. And we're going to even start bringing in some video shows and some special guest speakers, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to be recording that podcast actually later today, so uh, not going to give away just exactly who it is and what's going on. We'll leave that as a surprise. Some people might know some of our guest speakers. Some people might be excited to learn about who they are. So. Uh, we'll be doing that shortly. We got some good things coming. We got some contests, the coaches challenge. If you guys haven't already, uh, subscribe, join, get all of our podcast alerts right to your phone. And, uh, you know, come be a member over here at Coach Talk, guys. we got a nice little subscriber uh, group growing. we got a nice little Discord going on where we got some good conversations and we're keeping busy with these contests. And, and, and we have Andrew out there just crushing with the simulation information. A lot of good stuff going on here. We touched on all sports uh, gearing up for the MLB season as well. So uh, that's all we have for you guys. So we'll be back for you tomorrow. Uh, You know, Brett will be back tomorrow and he'll be here with the Patriots and Heat talk. But uh, anything else you'd like to say before we take off?
1: Uh, No, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. And uh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to dive into what's tomorrow. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk to get more info and insight from us and uh, have a good one. Absolutely, guys. Take care.